This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2024. And you're right, that was a brand new intro up front. It's a thing we do every year. It's another year. I cannot believe it. You don't like it when I reminisce on dates, but I'm going to say it. We haven't reached it yet, but during this calendar year, we will reach the 10th year anniversary of doing the podcast. We started in uh, 2014 is yeah. we started doing the podcast after yeah. we shot Mid-Engines and Mountains, which is interesting because one of the things we're going to do later this year, we're going to talk about upcoming stuff for the year. We've got a really good car debate. Thank you guys for questions as always. But I should mention one little bit of news that's happened while we have been away for the last week or so, and that is, have any of you read about Daihatsu? When's the last time you even said the word Daihatsu? <laughs> it's been about 20 years, It I has think. been a while, but here's the thing. They don't really sell cars in the U.S., but they make a lot of K-cars and K-trucks sold in Japan, Malaysia, around the world, elsewhere. You sometimes see them like on airports and stuff as well. They're the little tiny Daihatsu K-trucks. Daihatsu is entirely owned by Toyota. Okay? Right, right. Don't sell anything here. However, there's been a lot of news. You're welcome to find your own news source on this and dig in really, really far. But the reality is... Daihatsu has currently shut down all plants of all vehicles, period, till we're not sure when, earliest end of January, because it has been discovered, and Daihatsu has result admitted, they have been faking safety tests for their vehicles for the better part of 30 years. Fraudulent safety testing. There's also the, the initial thinking that this is going to be isolated, we just uncovered this, but mm -hmm. I mean, 30 years of this, I mean, <laughs> 30 years, <laughs> some uh, employee That's, evaluations need to happen here. Th think about it. Those somebody, decisions. this could have been happening. Somebody's entire career. You could have started when they first uh, started doing it, done your entire career at Daihatsu and left. And now it's been discovered. What comes to my mind is what happened with Dieselgate. Yes. When Volkswagen yes. got called out, uh -huh. BMW raised a little finger and, and <laughs> Mercedes us. went, uh, we might have done something kind of like sort of that. Mm, interesting point. And is there was this else? ripple mm. effect through the industry. Mm. And there are safety standards. I mean, that is of all the sa the standards yeah. that cars yeah, yeah. go through. Those are some of the, the most stringent worldwide. And so are emissions. Mm -hmm. But then there is this ripple effect. So I hope it's contained. I hope it's point. contained to this and Toyota going through who's responsible and yeah. in, you know, immediately taking care of that and making new decisions. But I hope it doesn't extend to other car companies that think, you know, this subsidiary that we haven't really paid attention to. Mm -hmm. I hope there's not this. Oh, oh, when you do it that way, it's considered a flawed right. test. Yeah, I hope not either. I mean, obviously, this is a pretty serious black mark on Toyota, which obviously has a sterling reputation in both reliability and safety. Yeah. This is obviously not full-size Toyota cars. It's obviously not U.S. cars, but it is. Look, this is a wholly owned subsidiary of Toyota. This is bad news. I cannot believe 30 years of fraudulent testing. That is a it's that is not a, a decade. That's not a couple of mm -hmm. decades. That's a long that is long that time is a systematic that. systematic process by which you got stuff through safety. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an issue. Wow. So anyway, we'll see where this goes. Again, this is not really stuff you're seeing on the road around you. But what's interesting is because the K cars, and we've driven a few, the K cars are often built by one person, branded by another. Mm -hmm. This closure and these question marks aren't just Daihatsu branded products. There's Mazdas, Toyotas, and Subarus also covered under stuff built by Daihatsu in this exposure. I Wow, is all I know to say. New exploratory teams are being formed as we yes. speak to investigate. Many, many lawyers problem. have been hired oh, and are yeah. looking at a very successful 2024 for their <laughs> law firm. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But you know, other car companies have had debacles in their past. You remember the 90s Ford with the Firestone tires on their Explorers and... Porsche went through the IMS bearing class actions. Toyota had the weird uh, sudden acceleration that turned out to be floor mats. I mean, there were all oh, kinds was, of strange. That was Audi, wasn't it? That no, was no, no, Audi. no. Toyota had, um, pardon me, Audi oh, had oh, yeah. unintended acceleration. Oh, and then right. Toyota, Toyota had a similar problem that. That, was, that they think was floor mats. It's, that's right. There's, there's lots it was of like little... Camrys and floor mats or something <laughs> that were like the bad combination of. No, not the floor mats. <laughs> don't put floor mats yeah. in your Camry or something. But yeah, I mean, every car company has had issues in the past. I mean, these are ex expensive, complicated machines, but this one's significant yeah. just like like Dieselgate. Yeah. Yeah, we might have kind of done the same thing. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. 
Well, the Prius is back on track. The video is coming January 4th, 2024 to our original channel. We track the Prius. We wore helmets <laughs> on yes, track in the yes. Prius. It Nobody looks exciting. at you stranger than pulling onto the hot pit in a Prius <laughs> with a helmet on and the little driver thing around your wrist. <laughs> exactly. And they suddenly the guy waving you on track realizes, oh, you're going in that car. Exactly. Oh, you okay. didn't just arrive at the track. Yeah, you're not just driving this into the hot pit to get into something else and leave. Car for tracking purposes. So we had a great time. We benchmarked it against our old 86, the GR86. We have sold that car to a friend of the show. He lives in Salt Lake City, so we pulled yep, it. Yep. He was very generous and kind to let us drive it again. So we put those cars in both dry and wet conditions on mm -hmm. the track at our yep. favorite track, our local track, UMC. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. So since it's a new year, we have a new show open. We got tons of new stuff coming this year. We thought we'd talk about 2024, things that are on deck and actually planned for, and also cars we're looking forward to and all of that kind of stuff. And I do want to say that we have another C8 and Lotus road trip video coming up. And we want to go back out to the Sierras to where we shot Mid-Ages of Mountains, which is actually that. 10 years ago. I can't now, believe that. this will that. be more involved than Mid-Ages of Mountains was. It'll be shot better. We're going to do it a little differently. But we'll, we'll have forward-facing cameras running this time. There, there's some reminiscing that's happening already as we plan this trip and realize it was a decade ago we did it. And it, and it kind of, this is going to sound weird, it kind of accidentally became the first of all of our road trips. We hadn't yeah. done a road trip yeah. film prior. We did uh, you know, 50 Years of 9-11, which was our prior feature film. We'd never really done a big road trip film before that. That became our first of many, many 10 years ago. And so I'm excited to kind of revisit it with very different cars, very different headspaces. Because when we did that one originally, we didn't own any of the cars we took. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. going to be very fascinating to do this. So that's coming. That's one of the many things coming, and there's so much more. And the Corvette's back to health. We got it back from yes. the body shop after mm -hmm. the deer strike incident, and everything is back running smoothly. Mm -hmm. the, the body shop did an incredible job. Yep. The warranty carries with the car which is amazing yes. so all the work they did is warranted for the life of the car and they it goes with a car to the next owner so it's very impressive it's yeah. really well done work and we're thrilled that it's back to camera action camera it was ready supposed so. to be back this week they called us like the day before yeah. christmas it was like early christmas gift you may have seen that posting online as well Things in January that start us out include CES, and I'm always intrigued by the technology mm, reveals mm. that come out at the CES show in Vegas. And that has really become a platform for car manufacturers nowadays to debut yeah, yeah. not just upcoming lighting tech or in-car infotainment, that kind of thing. It's full vehicle reveal. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the Cybertruck drive as well. The Cybertruck has now we landed on it. everything. Yeah. Everybody has consumed some piece of information about the Cybertruck. There was also yeah. a recent article about the first wreck of the Cybertruck mm -hmm. in California <laughs> with of course. photos and video. And okay, so somebody's had theirs for five minutes and already been overwhelmed <laughs> exactly. by it. The reviews are out. One's been wrecked already. You've probably read something uh -huh. about it and probably. know that it exists. Yeah. But I'm interested. I really am intrigued to drive this beast and we'll I have agree. to put it against some other things and, For sure. and create a film with that. But speaking of Corvette, I'm also very interested in the E-Ray. Me too. drive the E-Ray. I know that's been out for a little while, but that's significant since we've been spending time with this C8. I think it, the E-Ray e is, is the best looking version of this styling. I, uh, they've got, I they've think got the body panels are interchangeable, wheels. aren't they? I mean, you could Probably. sort of like, I was thinking about that for our little I know. Yeah, incident. Yeah. Like, yeah, what yeah. if we got parts if we from E-Rays e and yeah. put the 
put it back together. I think to it's make the it best cooler. looking one. I think it has the best looking wheels, and it's also kind of the most intriguing C8 because there's so many new things going on there. Mm-hmm. With the first one to be all wheel drive, obviously the the front uh, wheels are entirely electric driven. And I have mentioned since the first time we drove the C8 that putting an engine up there is going to change the front end feel. So I'm curious to feel that we have ours to reference. That's that's very high on the list. I feel like I've come up with a decent list of cars that I'm interested in driving, and that okay. Honda Prelude that you and I saw at the LA Auto Show. November 2023 was very intriguing. Agreed. We really like what Honda's doing across the board. Pilots, passports, their SUVs, the the CRV is decent now. Yeah, the The SI, the Type R, all this stuff is great stuff now. I agree. I I think they're in a renaissance, and I hope that renaissance includes some genuinely affordable, good-looking, fun-to-drive cars. Yes. Because they used to have a good number of them. And we've all, you know, bemoaned the loss of the S2000. Honda hasn't made anything like that since. Wouldn't this be a great time mm-hmm. to do that again? There's a decent market right now for these cars. If you yes. look at the MX-5 and the GR86 and the Super in multiple flavors, the Z car, that 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 span between 30 grand and 50, 60 grand has quite a few cars in it that are mm-hmm. dedicated rear-wheel drive cars. I think even jumping back 10 years ago, we have more now than we did then. So it'd be interesting to have Honda step in. I hope they do, but the Prelude is intriguing no matter what. And many of those you mentioned were manual too. I mean, Agreed, sporting yeah. enthusiasts, mm-hmm. it's really still a golden era for us as enthusiasts, all of us listening. And I was been playing with this thought over the holidays and just thinking about all the cars that were revealed in 2023 and all the stuff that we got to drive mm-hmm. was still astounding to me. I mean, Amiras and McLarens. Mm-hmm. We've even got the Nismo Z piece coming, put up against the Dark Horse Mustang and the GR Supra. Mm-hmm. That is still coming in January 2024? Or is that that, That'll February? probably be end of January, early February. January. It'll okay. see how the edit goes, yeah. Okay, so that is coming. But I thought about this year what reveals are coming? Mm-hmm. What big stuff is coming? And I almost liken it to when the Ford GT came out and surprised and shocked everybody that mm. you were working on this secret project and you hadn't made noise because car companies right now really like to milk the cycle. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh-huh. Here's This is coming mm-hmm. and we're thinking about this and we're going to play around with it and maybe it's coming, maybe it's not. And mm-hmm. here's a new iteration. We still don't know if it's coming. They did that with the Supra. Yes. And there's, there's yes, this long gestation period and then finally it dropped and then we were forced to wait for the manual and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's this long period. And I feel like there's a lot of companies that are kind of holding back because of meeting regulations, government policies set forth mm-hmm. worldwide. There's safety issues now that yes. companies are going mm-hmm. to have to what? consider. What are you about? Mm-hmm. There's new powertrains. There's new directions. What are we doing as a brand to define our future direction? When you think of blank company, mm-hmm. that automatically means this to the customer. True. They're, they're resetting themselves. And so I think they're, I'm going to leave the door open for a few companies. I think Mazda is going to surprise us. I'm calling it now. I, I think so. they're going to, I mean, I know they've got that, that new inline six that it, they're being put yes, in stuff. And that, we've been let's put that in lots of imagining, things. but I'm wondering if Mazda is going to bring something out that we're like, yes, that's what we've been waiting for. I'm putting it on that. I love this thinking, and I and I hope you're right. And I have noticed over the last few years, you and I keep having a year like this where we head in, and there's three or four things on the list that we just don't even see coming. By the yes. year end, we're like, oh my gosh, that happened this year. Right, I'm hoping right. for that so far. What's interesting about 2024 and what I'm seeing so far is I started to make my list, and we've covered many of them. We started to make my list of things I was excited to drive. And then, because I always want to make sure I'm not missing something, I started looking up other publications' lists of their cars that they're intrigued for right. next year. right. And I ran into an interesting trend, and I want to discuss it very briefly, and that is, look, what happens globally is that politicians create regulations, Mm -hmm. and the car makers try to meet those regulations, but it isn't an instantaneous thing. It's three to five years to meet those regulations, and then all of a sudden, you'll see a seismic shift where, oh, that's a result of all these regulations. 2024, I'm calling it now, is the year of the EV. Okay. Because what's fascinating about most places, stuff we want to drive this year. 90% 90% of the stuff they have on their list, I'm not interested in, and it's all EV. And they're all SUVs, too. This is the result of the regulations that have been happening, and now we're seeing all these companies catch up where their focus, GM is the perfect example, and you brought it up a minute ago, companies wanting to be defined by something new. GM went both feet and almost went head first into the EV pool instantly and said, we're going to be all about EVs. And the problem is, you've seen it in the news, you've seen it in cars on the lots, the problem is 
EVs have been very problematic to build fast enough. GM has had problems with all of the ones they've made, even though we like things like the Bolt and we like the Lyric, but the, there's just started a stop sale, full stop sale on the new Blazer EV they've been so excited about. Full stop sales happened on that car, and that platform underpins things from elsewhere, like Honda and Acura and others. Yeah, So exactly. that affects all of those. But this list of things people are talking about driving this year, they're almost all EVs because this is when they're all coming to fruition. And what yeah. I'm curious yeah. to see, and I, I don't know it, and please don't misunderstand me. We have EVs we've liked. We have reasons we like the technology and the fact that it is coming in one way or another. EVs are going, and they're not going anywhere. They're not going away. But then there is the flip side, and that is they're not selling that well. Mm -hmm. The sales yeah. of EVs have flatlined, and they've flatlined Last year. And now okay. this year, here come all these EVs. So my yeah, question is, yeah. what's the audience response actually going to be? Are buyers really going to show up for these EVs? Because if they don't, if this is all the new stuff that the automakers are making and the audience kind of goes, eh, then we're talking about what happens in three to five years from now. What are they making? Because there will be another pivot I think it's just going to be constant seismic changes. There's not I, like a it defining... It suggests it, doesn't it? Because of customer response and because of worldwide governments saying one thing and then backtracking uh -huh, or saying uh -huh. this and going a different direction, there's going to be constant changes and car companies are going, just tell us mm -hmm. what's going on so we can offer this portfolio of cars so we can plan the chassis that underpin and then that plans manufacturing and that affects the jobs and it's such a ripple effect yeah, with the car industry i have some friends who just pulled me aside recently and they said hey we saw this commercial for the new ev9 the full size yep suv yep. full bev and you and i saw this at the la auto show mm -hmm. i didn't really pay it too much mind i, I mean we were cruising through it pretty fast it's, and i took a, a few it's photos, the kia and it's, no, it's yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. the telluride ev if you will right but obviously it's full ev it's very interesting and and people are definitely gonna are intrigued by it for sure keep going well their second sentence after being interested in it was what they saw in the back seats that it was a fully reclining second row mm. that okay that doesn't really have anything to do with being an EV or a gas-powered car. That's just a cool feature, <laughs> That's a feature in an we SUV. Could do. Yeah, I period. Mean, uh -huh. I like that you like that, but what else intrigues you about it? Is it styling? They said, mm. yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. But they're also interested in different powertrain. Yeah, yeah. So there's customer interest, and even more so, I think people are really paying attention. I mean, people always have, and people always already have their brand that they're interested in, and the cars they follow, and there's Lexus people, and just, I can't wait for whatever the next Lexus sure. is. Yeah, yeah. Same with BMWs. Same with a lot of companies, mm -hmm. yeah. but they're paying attention to new stuff and what companies are coming out with. And it, there's such a spotlight on cars in general, because it's such an aspirational thing yeah. for people yeah. to, mm -hmm. to own and what they imagine their life would be like with that vehicle. It's uh, yeah. fascinating to me. And, and I think we're seeing just complete tumult in all these brands. I mean, Lotus has the Amira, which everybody's very excited about and yet somehow can't get deliveries to happen in the U.S., Okay. Right. Weren't we supposed to, by this time, yes. Yes. deliveries were supposed to be happening mm -hmm. in North America? Yeah, they, absolutely they were. But then you've got the Electra, which is the SUV from Geely, I mean the SUV from Lotus, okay, which is like the <laughs> Polestar and many Polestar, other things. What? Exactly. They're talking about the, the EMEA, which is essentially the sedan version of the Electra, which is mm -hmm. weird because we're talking about EV architecture. So what is the perception of that brand going to be? I think it's going to be totally different a year from now than it is right now, especially if they can't get these Amir <laughs> deliveries solved. There's that. But then over here, we have BMW, who is supposed to release a new, probably hybridized, but a new, not fully electric M5 this year. And they're mm -hmm. even teasing a touring model, meaning a wagon in the States. And Toyota is talking <laughs> about... Pounding that drum for yes. decades. Toyota's talking about the Signia, which is the wagoned version of the Crown, which actually yes. looks a lot better as a wagon. There is weird stuff going on throughout the entire industry right now. And then you have the Land Cruiser and the Lexus GX yes. that have nothing to do with... I mean, there's hybridization there, but they're not thinking about, they can come EV off-road. They're just going, let's go overlanding. Exactly. This is a weird world right now. Companies are embracing the overlanding as specific models. I mean, mm -hmm. the Porsche Dakar was a bit off the cliff, and so was the uh, the Lamborghini Storato. Mm -hmm. But now other companies, 
Ford's embracing the Mach-E as a rally version. <laughs> this is popular. This will sell. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make that. People will buy it. And People then, are into it. We have we have driven various EVs that have been quite bland, and one of the more bland ones, I hate to say it, was the Volkswagen ID4. Volkswagen is another mm-hmm. brand like GM that is diving headfirst into EV architecture, and here in the middle of a sea of kind of like, okay, things they're saying is coming, is the ID Buzz, which is essentially the electrified Volkswagen hippie van. I hate to say it, but that's what we're talking about, okay? And I'm it interested is, in this thing. It is desperate to sell the quirk difference of it, and we climbed in at the Ali Auto Show, and it's just... It's inviting and fun. It's like, you know the 70s smiley face? It's like oh, driving yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, exactly yeah. what it feels like. Just just sitting in it, it's like, I'm driving the smiley face. Can the ID yes. Buzz be interesting just because it's quirky and different in okay. a sea of other EVs? Because frankly, the, the Volkswagen EVs we've driven have been absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. There's nothing about it. I'm like, you should get one. No, it's, it's fine. There, and there's a jillion of these on the market. I agree I'm interested in the buzz, but it's not going to be a standout driver's enthusiast car. Of course it's not. That's the thing. You're you're driving history. You're driving that fun. You're driving legacy. That's what will be fun. Legacy and future at once, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. And it still has that crazy driving position where it's, I don't know how they did crumple zones in this thing because you're sitting there and it's just like windshield. (laughs) That's that's, just, anyway, all right. Okay, Volkswagen, hopefully you're crash testing things too. And yeah, they did not. Their anyway, crash testing was not done by Daihatsu. I'm just exactly, saying, gotta get this. The other seismic shift will be once p- people figure out that that one drives like that one, which feels like that one. The Taycan's getting a, a mid cycle refresh. So is the e Tron GT mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Audi. Do they drive any different? Does that platform mm-hmm. with the roller skate platform drive differently than that SUV? They all kind of feel the same. I, I still maintain that. There's some differences mm-hmm. in power and architecture, but. For the most part, what will be the big differentiator? And that's what customers want. I think that will be the next three to five years. Well, as yeah. We want something that really drives like blank. Perfect example is the stuff from Stuttgart. Okay. That town is cranking out the Mercedes AMG GT, and I know it's really heavy. It's too heavy. It is. They made it all-wheel drive, but they did add a back seat. It's like the hardtop SL. Yeah. But the AMG GT, the prior generation, really intrigues me still. I yeah, love that really car. Cool. And I'm really intrigued about this one. I want to see how light it feels despite mm. its weight. Mm-hmm. I want to see what AMG has done because well, it's got gobs of power and it's pretty. And since the AMG boys are the ones that are currently taking four cylinders and making them make more power than eight cylinders mm-hmm. that they used to make, I it's, it's who exciting. knows what's going on there, yeah. And then the Porsche 718 came in and boxed her. The next generation of that. Yeah. Porsche's diving in headfirst to They're the talking about those hybridization EVs. and EV yeah. world too. So well, I, I what hope, will that look like? I hope they offer those in variants. It's not just yeah. that the Macan and the Cayman Boxster are now just EVs. And if you want a hybrid, you go 911. I hope they don't, don't go that route. I hope they offer variants. Look, I'm just calling out of Porsche's portfolio. They have seen success when they have offered engine variants in their models mm, yeah. versus just going, like when they introduced the 718. Came in and boxed her, the mm-hmm. four-cylinder. Mm-hmm. They sold some of those cars. They brought in some new people that hadn't bought Porsches before that bought them in four-cylinder because they weren't worried about having a flat six. But they still came around to putting a flat six in it. <laughs> okay? Uh, so Porsche seems to be yeah. one of the brands yeah. that does see how their customers buy and, and pivot. So what will those supposedly EV, Macan, and Boxster came in? Will they be just EV? Will they have variants? It's like the Wild West over here. I agree. I'll leave you on a high note, audience, and that is the Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro with those cool seats. <laughs> those I wanna, seats I wanna, with a bike pump. Yes, I want to be in those seats and the Trail Hunter variant of that. And the MR2 return, that revival of the we'll see. Uh, FTSE nice. concept. That'd be really cool if it did. And GR anything from Toyota. GR all the cars. <laughs> G- I'll take any GR, okay. new Good. GR, whatever it is. That's what I want to drive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winter is here, and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. That's right, old wipers can leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, and rain, which leads to dangerous visibility. Look to PowerClear wiper blades from PowerStop. 
Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and now PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades with more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature RoadView advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters and sizes. Each wiper blade kit is matched to your vehicle to include both driver and passenger side wipers with vehicle-specific attachments. You'll always know when it's time to replace your wipers with a built-in wear indicator, too. Head to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter-ready. Our debate is from Louis M. in Central California, writing to us. He's entertaining owning a German V8. Mm, we've all entertained that at some point, I think. <laughs> I mean, really, the headline is, he's looking for a sports sedan under $30,000. Okay. Louis, thank you so much for writing. He's looking for something that can be driven daily, be comfortable to commute in, but his commute's only five miles each way, but also nice enough for weekend day trips cruising California. Mm-hmm. It needs to have enough space for a small dog, a large dog, and a golf bag. <laughs> Taking both the dogs, dogs and the golf bag. And golf. So is the dog, golf bag the largest of the three? I, I, I'm unclear. But anyway, onward. Mm, that's a good question. Paddle shift auto would be preferred, but a manual would be acceptable as well. Perhaps more important to Louie than all of the above is engine sound. Mm. There's nothing better than rolling the windows down, finding a tunnel, and dropping a gear. Interesting. Okay. All right. Rev Bliss. Louis's current garage includes an 05 Chevy Silverado with 245,000 miles on it. This thing has been a workhorse, he writes, but has been well-maintained, showing no signs of giving up. That's right. Chevy trucks last a long time. Yeah, and They should build a campaign on that. I think I'm giving you gold, Chevy. So wait, should they call it like a rock? Something. Anyway, something. That's a good yeah. idea, too. He said it's not the best daily. Gets the job done. Off-road mods keep it fun. And Louis also has a 2017 Mazda 3 Sport. This is his girlfriend's car they use for longer drives and trips. He says it's fun, but it's reminded him how much he misses driving something more raw and powerful. Interesting. Okay. Louis also owns a 1986 Nissan 300ZX, the redheaded Z car stepchild, he writes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he also describes it as essentially not running right now with no real foreseeable future in which it will be. I hate to say it, man, but that's what you're saying between the lines here. How does that car, how is that still around? <laughs> oh, look, he's got money sitting in upgraded suspension with a turbo conversion uh-huh. and an upgraded turbo. Uh-huh. All those supporting mods that he's spent money on, on are still pending. On an unloved car that you acknowledge is unloved. I'm, I'm confused. I think there's connective mm. tissue here he's not sharing as to why that car's still around. Because I don't understand what it's still around. Passion and love. I guess. Clearly, yeah. The other vehicle in the garage is a 1978 Yamaha XS750, the three-cylinder bike from Yamaha. He built this into a mild cafe racer. It's fun to rip around town in. Louis 32 is in Central California, as I mentioned, where there's plenty of mountain roads within 20 minutes from him. Coastal drives make it fun and easy for day trips. So these roads are always beckoning. It's high time he finds something fun and comfortable to do some spirited driving. Okay. With a budget of $30,000, Paul adjusted to 35K. <laughs> You're li- it's for first podcast of the year we're already here. Know. Everybody knows where we are. That's excellent. Louis, that's noted. Thank you. The usual suspects were on his list. Julia, Kia Stinger, Genesis G70. After researching, he had pretty much decided on the Julia, okay. despite being concerned about maintenance on something foreign. However, he couldn't shake the feeling that he wishes it were more powerful and had a more aggressive sound. Mm, interesting. Okay. Enter the Mercedes-Benz and BMW, the W204 C63 AMG and that E90 E92 M3 from BMW. Oof. Louis was totally unaware that these beauties with V8s even existed. Mm. Louis, I'm... Loving your discovery. German V8s. <laughs> it is cool. By the way, that BMW V8 is really thirsty. Quite. You're going to need an oil rig in the backyard. Yeah, for sure. Louis' imagination has now become consumed with scenes of blasting through mountain roads in loud, brutal V8 glory. Imagine his glee when he learned that many decent examples can be found well under $30,000. Hmm. But the problem is most of these are approaching 100,000 miles, and he's concerned about foreign maintenance again. Okay. Would he be making a mistake? This is not hmm. a finance podcast, he writes. <laughs> you are listening. It's great. It's good. Yeah, we're bad for finance advice. <laughs> Louis can't help but wonder how much he should consider the maintenance aspect of these options. What are our thoughts on these cars? Are there any other cars that he should be looking into? Yes, there are. I think I have your car. Oh, good. It's just as much of a commitment as the Mercedes and BMW okay. as far as maintenance. Okay. 
And only you, Louie, can come to terms with how many dollars are going to be spent on maintenance. But I scroll back up to your list, your current garage, mm-hmm. including that 86300ZX, the one that mm-hmm. doesn't run. And doesn't run. All the supporting mods are still mm-hmm. pending, the ones yeah. you want to spend money on. Why? Why is that still around? I agree. I don't understand. I really don't. He said, drive it. The the key sentence of this entire description of the fact that it's not running is, this would be a strictly fun car. But I come back to, right now, it's nothing. (laughs) It's not fun. It's it's not fun. It's just there. Sucking money out of your wallet. And you don't even know when it's going to be done. It is less than fun. Yeah, for sure. I went looking, Louis, and I found a 2014 C7 Corvette Stingray Z51, 35K for 60,000 miles. 35 grand with 60,000 miles. On a C7 Stingray. That's a great find. Chevy V8. Yeah. Runs. Yeah. Alleviating your maintenance concerns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to be great. Now, when I was searching, I found an open recall for the fuel leak at the primary fuel pump module flange or the fuel fill pipe anti-siphon grid is out of position. But Auto Tempest notifies you which car, based on VIN, has mm. had those recalls done. Mm. Some were, some weren't. And they have that little notification yeah, in yeah. there. So when you're searching, you'll find those two open recalls. And like I said, some cars don't have them, which hopefully means those are fixed. And, and uh, Auto Tempest runs the, the VINs. So you could go shopping for a Corvette. I mean, you're wanting a V8. You're wanting sound. Drop Fair. the windows. Yeah. Floor it through a tunnel. Floor it everywhere. Yes. 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 That, that's Having a good day. The car you want. Mm-hmm. Quad pipes out the back, my friend. <laughs> That's what Corvettes were for. Yeah, I hear that. Right? That's yeah, very good. The V8, very, very the noise, good. the sound, the fury, the thunder, the fun. I think that's what you're looking for. But that means there's going to be requirements. There's there's going to be a catch to all these recommendations, okay. and that has to do with getting rid of the 300ZX. Oh, okay. Is it going? Okay, I can see that. He yeah. says, this is the project car that we shall not speak of. And we are speaking <laughs> We're speaking it. of it. <laughs> Conversation is happening. Yeah. Because when this is done, imagine, Louie, that car gets all finished. Mm-hmm. It isn't a V8. It's not. You're in V8 mode. You're in V8. Like, I have to have V8 glory. Well, and it's still, I, that's still a, an old car. It is. But if we're committing to maintenance, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody has kept these these cars that you're finding for 30 grand, Louis. Somebody has kept those yeah, cars true. maintained, true. Yeah. dumping money in, mm-hmm. money into them. And when you do, they are glorious. Yeah. And they can run for 200,000 miles. I mean, the more miles, they're going to suck more money out of your wallet. Mm-hmm. But the Z is already doing that to you. Yes, it is. So let's get rid of that. And those dollars can now be allocated to the maintenance, thereby alleviating your foreign maintenance issue. Oh, look at you. Okay. All right. I see it. I see it. The car for you is a 2007 Audi RS4 with 99,000 miles for 29K. That's a very cool car. It's that 4.2 V8. That's that's a definitive. That's a definitive car for sure. I mean, if you could find Not for everybody, but they're so great. Yeah. That sound coming out of that little A4 with the fender flares and the stance and how good it looks. One of my favorite Audis ever. (sighs) It's so good. Yes. RS4 That's from a very 07. Good There's some that are beat down, Louie. There's mm-hmm. some that have high miles, but somebody's putting the maintenance into. I mean, I'm finding 100,000 plus. The one that I found you has 99,000 miles for 30K, 29K. Mm. That should alleviate your issue. You've got a manual V8 sedan from the glory days of Audi. Yeah, it's it's a really great car. I mean, those that 4.2 liter V8 was also in the first round of the R8. It was in the Phaeton. It was in the yeah. the uh, the A8 as well. It has kind of known maintenance things to keep on top of. But yeah, you're in maintenance either way here. It's gonna be as thirsty as the Mercedes and the BMW. You get Quattro. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. The good ones are still really well taken care of. The bad ones have been beat on, but yeah, they're still yeah. running and they're okay. still for sale. Yeah. You can find it for cheaper. They're abused a little bit, but people like to abuse that car because it's so much fun. (laughs) We did enjoy driving it. We've driven it before. It's very, very cool. That's my recommendation. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. I'm going to touch on some of the stuff Paul mentioned. I'm also going to go a few other places. Louis, first off, you almost landed on the Julia, and then you said, (laughs) uh, my concern is that it's not powerful enough and it doesn't have an aggressive enough sound. Then I am going to walk you over to the answer to that question, and that is the Alpha Julia Quadrifolio. Plenty of power and is one of the better sounding cars on the road, period. Totally agree. However, you're talking about a $35,000 limit to your budget. I have looked up nationwide on Auto Tempest, and it is essentially the the buy-end of those cars is essentially the top of your budget. It starts at 35 and goes up. 
What kind of mileage are we? Well, are you it depends. Finding? I mean, I'm finding everything from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand that starts in that like thirty-five range, and then they start going up. So, uh, I'm going to ask you. Uh, Paul's got you selling the Z car for parts, anyway. My my question right. is: We're parting out Louis Z, everyone. <laughs> my my Who question needs is: eighty-six Z parts. If, if that thirty-five is 40 or is 45 once you start looking. And I say that because Paul has taught me this and you guys have sent emails to back it up. You guys give us budgets and the number of times you write a car conclusion where the budget was suddenly 50% higher for no inexp- for no ex- explainable reason. You were just like, and I just like this car, so I bought it for more. So The budget could be higher if you get rid of your project car. <laughs> so if, if your budget really could be higher, I'm saying that your budget right now is at the bottom of the barrel of quadrifolios and they go up from there. So you might be able to find one. Come on, we're talking 500 horsepower, rear-wheel drive, phenomenal-sounding V6 that, that is most of a Ferrari engine. Okay, that is actually the answer to your question based on where you are. However, I'm going to come back down to your budget and talk about the ones you brought up, and that is the E90 or E92 series M3 with that gloriously thirsty but wonderful V8 high revving. Mm. We've driven that in all kinds of scenarios so on good. track, back roads, road trips. <laughs> Phenomenal car. You also brought up the similar era, the C63 AMG, also a fun car. I don't have a problem with either of those as fun cars. I will say that personally, I always preferred the E90 to the C63 as just a driving machine. I just yeah, preferred true, it. Now, true. the AMG motor in that C63 is a monster, but I just preferred driving the E90. I think the E90, especially in uh, six-speed manual, that is the, the sedan version in six-speed manual. I think that is the overlooked ultimate parent car. Hmm. You can mm-hmm. crush a country with it, <laughs> lots of gas, crush a country with it, or go yes. just kill a back road. That car's so good. So I think the E90 should be really high on your list. You're worried about maintenance. The reality is any of these cars bought with this kind of 100,000 mile, $35,000 thing, maintenance will be coming. The, the, I want to define two terms for you. There's a difference between maintenance and reliability. Maintenance means this car needs stuff to keep it running properly. Yeah. Reliability problems are I can't go a week without this thing breaking. Okay? <laughs> right. You don't you 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 want to be doing enough maintenance that you aren't finding breakage. This is the key. All right? And so the problem right. is Maserati owners like my friend Paul have a tendency to go I'm just going to leave that alone for a while. It depends on the car you find, but what you want to do the next owner. you want to find the, the use one of these cars that the owner has been meticulous. Mm-hmm. lots of records they've done everything because that car you're going to need to keep maintaining it and that will be expensive maintenance on all these older german cars is is expensive but the chance of random breakage is a lot lower so it's going to That's come down point. to yeah. the specific one you buy and who is the owner you're buying from the random corner lot that never has a big v8 bmw don't buy from them we don't know where that car came from that car's like mystery meat okay do not buy that car okay so so be careful where you buy it from <laughs> I have a couple other thoughts for you, though. You want V8 and you're worried about maintenance. Your budget does get you into the automatic version of the Chevy SS, which is the four-door Corvette with a Chevy motor in it. You rarely ever see them. Yeah, that's good. By the time you get to 40 grand, again, I've gone above your budget, I know, but by the time you get to 40 grand, you've got options. 30, 35, you can find them. By 40, you're in the middle of where those are selling. Now, you get a pristine one with low miles and, and the manual transmission, and they're 60, and guys are insane for trying to do that. I'm not talking about that car. No, I'm talking yeah. about getting you in one. That's an auto. That's an option. And then one that's even cheaper than that because they made a lot more, you could look at the older Cadillac CTS-V models. Lots of that's those good. were made with big V8s and quite fun to drive. And there's That's a, good. And the thing is, enough of those were made. Those have come down a lot more than the rest of the things we're talking about. They're still ultimately big V8s in a Chevy package. Oh, I almost forgot my wild card. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have, no, one, no, no I have one complete madness wild bring card. Bring it. Bring I, it. I, I, it was below the page. I don't know. Totally. Dude, totally let's wrong. Let's hear it. If you're going to consider cars with maintenance issues, <laughs> let's just go all the way. Forget V8. Let's go E60 M5 with the V10. Those are cheaper than some of the E90s because people are terrified of maintaining them. That's the F1-derived V10 engine we drove, and it is is miraculous. It's a fantastic engine. It's just (laughs) brace yourself for keeping it running. And and I have have heard, when we did our review of it on Test Drive a while back, I have heard owners chime in about how this car is fine, and then here comes the list of the things they have to make sure are maintained, and then it runs great. But I think what's happened wow. is, especially if you're the 
third owner of that car, is that the people that had them originally, when they didn't run perfectly all the time, they dumped them. The second owner probably couldn't believe they got a V10 M5, and so they drove it until something major broke, and then they dumped it on the third owner. You don't want to be that third owner, but if you find one well taken care of, they've plummeted in value because there aren't a lot of used buyers interested. You want to really go into maintenance crazy land. I got you, buddy. Well, let's kick that door wide open. If we're going to talk V10s, Louie, <laughs> how about an Audi S6 with that V10 okay. from the Gallardo? Yeah. Mm. And then you can brag Lamborghini roots, and you're going... <laughs> We see your V8 up in the ante to V10. We, we had an RS4 and an E90. We were fine. Now we've gone V10 M5 and V10 S6. We've really gone over the deep end. It's a new year, people. We're on. Thank you guys for good questions, as always, on our social media. I want to go to this first question because it circles back to kind of where we started, where I was kind of musing about EVs this year. This guy, Babox, is asking on Instagram. He said he actually is now living in Park City, our local area, and mm -hmm. he drives a Model Y that he's had for a long time. He's had about 70,000 miles on his Model Y, but now he's living here and he has, he's asking us, he's kind of putting us on the spot and saying, is our skepticism with EV infrastructure due to this location? Because Park City doesn't have a supercharger that's, that's very good. He doesn't have a lot of super uh, charging infrastructure, but he still makes that Model Y work and it works really well. He also goes on to say that he's considered other vehicles. He's driven a few of late, including a friend of his 911, and he's going, hmm, I may have to get something different. So you have been bitten by the car bug of all kinds, and we respect that. I want to talk about the infrastructure issue. The reality is, no, our concern about infrastructure does not have to do only with our location. It's mm -hmm. affected by our location mm -hmm. yeah. because where we are here in Park City, which is a small town near Salt Lake, which is a huge place, but it is a small town, but it is a very moneyed small town. There, there, Park City does not want for anything yeah. because the, yeah. generally the people that live here are on their third or fourth. Oh, this is not Paul and I, by the way. Generally on their third or fourth, fourth home because they've sold a couple of companies. Yeah, or third or fourth company. Exactly. Like. And they sold the last one they sold. The, the figure began with a B. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. yeah. So that's a lot of what's going on in Park City. But the reality is, when we charge things here, or we go to L.A. or we go to Denver, we've driven electric loaner cars in many other major metropolitan areas. And I want, to, I want to define something here. If you are a person who, and I'm guessing that you asking the question probably you're in this situation. If you can charge at home, it's the easiest thing ever. Yep. The easiest thing ever. I parked my car. I get out in the morning. It's, it's like my phone. It's charged. It's ready. I never think about it. And the mm -hmm. world is wonderful. That's the perfect scenario. And a major metropolitan area, EVs, because there's no emissions, is wonderful. But all the people living crammed in a metropolitan area, there's not enough chargers if every one of them had a car. There just aren't. Mm -hmm. And we're talking yeah. about less than 10% of cars out there even need those chargers right now. And we've all seen the stories or the photos or the whatever of, here's my local supercharger station with a line. Here's my local charging area and half the chargers are broken. This is not you and I, Paul, creating this reality. No, no. This is just the stuff we hear about and see. Agreed. Yeah. And anytime yeah. we go to a city, a big city, and we get an EV loaner, it's a stressor because we aren't going home to some house that has a plug. Exactly. We're at that hotel and then, you know, but hang on, we need enough charge to get up into the mountains that day. So we're going to have to stop here. That versus there's a gas station on the corner. I'm not talking about anything related to do you like EV or gas. I'm just saying ease of use. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a gas station there and I don't have a garage. This creates issues. We're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, John McInnes on Facebook asks if we had an opportunity to drive any one car this new year that we have not already driven, what car would it be? I admit to being a Porsche super nerd, John. <laughs> I know where you're going now. I want to drive that ST, that 911 ST. I really, really have read some, I've read too much about it now. I really want to drive that. But I also want to drive the Rennsport Edition, the, the race car version that was introduced by Porsche at Rennsport. <laughs> I really want to drive both of those. But Cars that are not anywhere close to reality. <laughs> Moving on, yes, okay. Well, see, I set myself up so I could talk about my Christmas gift that I got this year oh. from my niece's husband, who understands my Porsche nerdiness. Yes, he does. He gave me an ice cube tray. It is my new favorite word. <laughs> it is the Porsche Crest in ice cube form for my whiskey glasses. It is Eiswürfel form. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Those of you who know German and can pronounce German, speak German. You're laughing at me, and that's totally fine. I deserve to be laughed at. Do you have to turn the glass to a certain point? Does the, does the, the point of the crest have to be facing towards your mouth when you drink? It does, yes. Just like, yeah. for uh -huh. those of you, you, the point of the crest has to be pointed 
to the air valves. The valve stem. stem, yes. Ridiculous. So, Isverful uh, Form <laughs> is my new favorite Christmas gift. It's the silicone rubber. It's the ice cube tray, you know, boiling water. And so you had the crystal clear Porsche Crest in your glass. Point it I at your mouth. cannot wait <laughs> to use my new Porsche Crest ice cubes. Best gift ever. That's hysterical. Well, there actually is a question here about what did we get? What are some of the, pres- some of the presents we got for Christmas? Uh, Thomas G22 is asking that question. Uh, I got a, a couple of cool video games to play with my son. One of them is the new Spider-Man 2 game on PS5. It looks unbelievable on PS5. And it is amazing how much you get the sense of the swinging through the city. We played the first game, but now we have the second one. It looks even better. So we have that. We're playing it. We're enjoying that. That's definitely fun. My son uh, has been pushing, 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 and he helped uh, us get him a fat tire bike so we can go winter mountain biking. So that's just beginning. I'm excited. It's not even for me. I'm just excited that it's happening. So that's very <laughs> fun as well. And uh, and then we're just kind of... My, my Christmas was about planning for the year to come. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, there'll be more to share there. So that I feel <laughs> like everything there was going on. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely happening. Uh, there's so many good questions here. I want to circle back to, uh, here's, here's one. Here's a movie question. Because I just watched Gran Turismo, and I want to compare and contrast with Jeremy's question on Facebook. He said, he's asking about Michael Mann's recently revealed, a recently released Ferrari movie starring Adam Driver. You have not seen it yet. I right? have not seen I it. I want to see have, this. I, I would like to see it too. I am aware of the structure of it, which is where I'm coming into this question. So this isn't a spoiler alert. He said, this movie focused on Enzo's marriage and his infidelity and his relationships. But with a company like Ferrari, was that the right choice? Shouldn't it have been focused on the legacy, the auto racing, the engineering, that kind of thing? Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to say something bizarre that first time I heard it, it kind of made my blood run cold. And then I realized, no, that's right. The reason there are so many garage build shows on television is because the average person that is pushing those forward to produce them describes them as garage comedies. They need a half hour or an hour worth of here are all the characters that make up this garage. And here's the drama they get into this week. The fact that it's cars is just, pardon the pun, the vehicle for the drama. (laughs) Just the delivery device. If you think about even Ford versus Ferrari, that is mostly about the relationships happening between the people. It's following Carol Shelby from scene one. Right. It's following his development, trying to push against the man that is Ford to try to get this thing made. In almost every case, if you're making a movie, they're going to lean into the drama, not the engineering. It's very rare you get a racing movie that is about the racing, and that's why I'm bringing up Gran Turismo. Why is Gran Turismo so focused on the racing itself? Because they're trying to sell you a game about racing. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Michael Mann's Ferrari is trying to win Oscars for actors doing drama about their relationships. Gran Turismo is trying to sell you a video game you can play at home. Gran Turismo shows you lots of racing. Ferrari shows you lots of actors emoting. Yeah, I I hear that. I mean, I am no judge of scripts. I heard the Ferrari script was a little thin, like a little bit. But I mean, I I haven't seen it. Personally, I don't care. I I will watch it anyway. I mean, I thought the script for Ford versus Ferrari was actually pretty strong. Well acted, very strong. And then the cars were really supporting. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I'm hoping the same for Ferrari. But, you know, once the Ferraris appear, I I will not care about the thin (laughs) script. Sure. Just as long as there's, you know, great cars, fast driving, a lot of explosions, beautiful women. (laughs) I'm, I'm there. Like, that's my kind of Paul's movie. movie. Here we go. We're we're good. Over on Facebook, we've got a question from Mitchell E asking if we'd rather take a GR86 or a Lexus RC350 on a cross-country road Mm. trip like Hocking Hills to Park City. Long, a long trip. Big road trip. Most of the U.S. I'm still with the GR86, even though the Lexus would be nice for the road trip part. It would be. As soon as it gets twisty, you'd regret it. Time. I'm the guy generally you would expect to take the GR86 in that equation, but I fully agree well, with you here. I the, fully agree. The GR86 has gotten better from the GT86. Sure, yeah. I wouldn't take the GT86 on the road trip because okay. it was just very, very harsh. The GR86 has really solved the road trip problem, okay. even though it's still you know, sure. a yeah, yeah. harder-edged car, but there's so many roads between here and there or, or anywhere that you're yeah, going to want to turn yeah. off and go Good. explore Good. and experience. You know, the Corvette has proven itself as a nice balance mm-hmm. between the two. But still, I, I like my Cayman. Truth be told, I'd take my Cayman. Really? That's surprising. That's, that's the, uh, yeah, the Lexus RC350 is not a sporty car, but it is a very good GT car in style, but it's not good for sporty driving. Richard Damiano is asking, which brand 
would most surprise us if they launched a new enthusiast car of any type this year? Which brand would surprise us the most by doing so? I would say Honda, a full enthusiast-focused car. I feel like Honda is doing a really good job right now with making their cars that are not enthusiast-focused really good to drive. But let's be honest, even the Civic, even the Civic, brilliant Civic Type R, is ultimately the best execution of what is designed to be a city car. It's not a, we're going to sit down, uh-huh, we're going to uh-huh. make an enthusiast car, which is what the S2000 was. Honda has made no ripplings that they're doing anything of the kind. They have the capability. They have the history. If they dropped a new, okay, guys, Honda over here, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, y'all want it? Can you imagine? That's good. That's good because they subscribe to the BMW model of taking an existing car mm-hmm. that was never designed to be an enthusiast car and forcing it to be brilliant. And doing good stuff and with it. And they are. Yes. BMW would kind of surprise me a little bit because of their pronounced direction with cars and mm-hmm. because the M2 is so heavy and so expensive. Like, let's make a real enthusiast car that really hits the sweet spot, like for a decent price. Mm. That would be interesting too. I mean, Mazda's up there, even though they've, of course, got the Miata, but Honda's excellent. If they came out with something like that, yes, we would embrace that, absolutely. Relates to another question that I see here that is, what car of all the cars being canceled last year do we most wish would stick around? I'm going to say Audi R8. Audi needs that car in its lineup. You remove the R8, Mm. and Audi makes a lot of very fast SUVs and sedans but they don't have any, oh my gosh, that's an Audi? Mm. That doesn't exist in their lineup anymore. The R8, while being on one level an oddball, is the oddball they need in the same way that Nissan has needed the GTR. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? You don't think, well, one of the most technologically advanced, fastest cars in the world from Nissan. and then the, But the GTR sitting there going, excuse me. Yeah. Audi needs that R8, and with cross-engineering uh, with the Lamborghinis of the world, I don't understand why it doesn't stick around, but it's going and it shouldn't. I'm wondering about Camaro. Because yeah, even though Corvette is good. Chevy, yeah. Corvette has become its own thing now. Really, that's good, right? Yeah, and the Mustang's now going to stand alone. What the heck, right? Yeah, and whatever powertrain that looks like, I think Chevy is killing the Camaro f- with full intent of bringing it back with <clears> some <throat> sort of hybridization of some kind. Or it's, it needs to be smaller. GM, by the way, it needs to be smaller than it ever was. It should be the the Camaro could be. A GR86 competitor, or you know, better, more like a super competitor, meaning, because it kind of is now in price, I realize, but super incised yeah, to yeah. differentiate it and to put it in, into the better market. But what's probably going to happen, I'm calling it now, it's probably going to be closer to the Mach-E than the Camaro we want. It's going to show yeah. up Ugh. as an EV-based ah. SUV. I hate to say it, but GM is so looking at EVs <laughs> that Camaro name is probably going to be resurrected in something where we all go, really? And I'm very worried about that. The other would be Dodge, would it not? Yeah. Dodge drops something amazing well, that, the, doesn't you know, hark, they, that doesn't have history weighing it down. Well, they do something totally different. I see where you're going. I mean, you know, they have that uh, EV Challenger thing that's supposed to show up at some point. We'll yeah. see what it does. But it would be interesting to see Dodge doing something totally against type. But the problem is if you do something against type, do people come to your brand for that? Probably not. At least Honda has got history of the S2000 to lean on and other little sports cars. Okay. Stellantarians, bring Lancia back over. Surprises. Oh, there you go. Bring Lancia over to North America. Let's have some cool Lancia, fun sports cars. Bring that. I mean, we've got Maserati Alpha, still a little bit unattainable, but let's bring the Lancia brand back here. We really appreciate all your questions. Thank you so much. We're thrilled to finally be in 2024 with so much stuff on the calendar. We'll be announcing things in the future. Quite a bit to talk about. Yes, uh, for sure. Yeah, we're we're very excited about the new year. And we hope you are too. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Happy New Year, everybody. Cheers. (laughs) 